0: This is my show, Love from London's Life Coach, coming to you directly from London. This podcast comes with a warning as it is unapologetically controversial. This show hopes to break the silence with the purpose of awareness and discrimination of cultural restraints across the world. Enjoy. So uh, today's, my podcast guest is, I'm super excited. I was just saying how excited I am. I met Daniel on Clubhouse. I didn't actually get to speak to him, but I saw his bio and I knew that I needed to share his story and ask him some questions. So Daniel, do you want to just tell the listeners who you are a little bit, just a little little snippet of who you are and what you do?
1: Yes. Thank you, first of all, so much for having me here with you and what an honor it is to sit here and how quickly everything moves. A couple of days ago, we didn't even know each other existed. And then all of a sudden here we are sitting face to face and virtually at least, right?
0: True, I love that though. I love the fact you can meet somebody so far away in a different continent, in a different country and just to be able to be friends. Um, that's how small yeah. the world has become.
1: Yeah, and it's also it feels to me and it, I, I know you're asking me who I am and what I've done, but so much of that, we, I find so much of the time people put their whole reputation on what they've done rather than who they are right now. And so you, you can go into my bio, you can see what the things I've done. I've had a life of incredible highs and tumultuous lows. I've sat with the richest people in the world and the poorest of the poor. And I found that all of them wanted the same three things. They all wanted to be loved and accepted. They all wanted to be listened to and heard and they all wanted to be acknowledged and validated. Yeah. And I used to be a, a very well-paid fixer. I would come into companies, I would come into families, I would come into governments, and I would be hired to fix things that were wrong. And people enjoyed what I did. Yeah. The problem is I no longer enjoyed what I did because I didn't see things that's broken. I saw people just needing an opportunity to just feel loved and accepted and listened to and heard and acknowledged and validated mm. and on a dime I just said I'm not going to do this anymore and I just now all I really do now is I hold the space for people to feel loved yeah listened to and accepted and what happens is that magic happens yeah because when that happens our walls come down mm. and suddenly someone that I didn't know three minutes ago I'm sitting here having a podcast with right and and the borders that used to exist between us of time and space and distance and even birth life and death I'm finding those veils are sort of disintegrating now and we're able to come into a room like clubhouse that doesn't even exist with a group of people we don't even know and, and don't even know and, and never met Yeah. and yet we feel such incredible love we feel such incredible camaraderie, camaraderie <laughs> that it moves us to both say hey let's just do a podcast together and for you to invite me and me to say absolutely and you to say are you free next week and for me to sign up the next day because today was an open day that I normally don't have
0: no I appreciate so- that so much
1: so much i appreciate you giving me time oh my it's the it's the opposite way i appreciate you giving me time what a blessing it is because here i am with you in your room doing what you do and i want you to know how honored i am and how how uh sacred literally sacred i feel the moment is so thank you
0: Thank you so much. I could hug you. I want to hug everybody that comes on here. Yeah. I, I yeah. describe myself as love. And the reason I describe myself as love is because I found love a couple of years ago and I'm so full of self-love and I keep saying the same thing again and again, but it is like a secret that you just want to put everybody in. And you know what? I think that Daniel, you know this. I feel that you know this secret. You've seen the secret. You felt the secret it's within you and that's why, you know, maybe the laws of the universe or whatever it was made us come together for this amazing podcast that we're going to have.
1: Whatever brought us together, I'm happy it did. And whatever whatever that love is, I sometimes feel like a cardboard box. And into that cardboard box, a gift of love has been placed.
0: I'm, and my
1: job is literally to take the cardboard box and deliver it room to room.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. I, that's such a beautiful way of putting it.
1: Yes, because I'm not that love. I'm just the I'm just the box that delivers the gift. Yes. And when I go, the gift remains with you because I brought you the gift.
0: Yeah. But it's
1: not me. It's it's love itself has come.
0: Yes, yes I totally get that. That's such an amazing way of putting it. I must do a clubhouse room with you.
1: <laughs> I really <Absolutely>. <laughs> um,
0: I read in your bio that you studied for five years to be is it pronounced Rebbe?
1: Yes. Okay. Yes.
0: And um, was that something you chose to do because you were in that culture? I know that that must be your background, but is it because anybody had an influence on that, or was it just your own choice?
1: So when that happened, I was en route to India. I was hitchhiking. I had, I had left an opportunity to run a billion-dollar company. Yeah. I had gone to school and studied psychology. I realized that that wasn't going to give me the answers that I was needing. And so I said, I'm just going to put my thumb out and and hitchhike around the world. And so I was hitchhiking around the world with the intent of going to India because I, I had felt in India, that was the place where the answers I thought would come to me.
0: Yeah.
1: But while I was in Israel, I met a man who described himself in a book that I read as someone who, who liked to see people between two and six in the morning. And I thought, who the heck is this guy?
0: Yeah.
1: It said he's a holy man who likes to have visitors come between two and six in the morning. Mm-hmm. And when I went to see him, it was the day before I was going to go to fly to, I was going to fly from Israel to Turkey and then go over land from Turkey to India.
0: Yeah.
1: When I walked into the room that he was in, I was I was stopped not by a person, but by a field of energy. I couldn't get through this energy field. And I know this sounds weird. It sounds weird to me as I say it. But has your arm ever gone pins and needles where you just it, you just can't lift it? Mm. my My whole body felt like that. i felt I felt like my whole body I, I wasn't in control of my body. I couldn't move it. And the whole time I felt him drawing this energy from me, drawing information from me, getting to know me. He knew me in three minutes better than any person had ever known me in my life. And finally he said, won't you come in and sit? And all my energy, I was like a horse in a, in a horse race, waiting for the gate to open. And when it opened, I just <laughs> lunged forward. And mm-hmm. he thought, that's a little bit weird the way you're doing that. But I, I got to the chair and not in the most graceful way, but I got there. Mm-hmm. And I said, he started asking me sort of stupid questions. I thought, like, how long have you been here? What have you seen? Where have you gone? What do you do? And I said, oh, come on. You know me better than anybody in the whole world. I'm going to India tomorrow. Mm. And I'd like a blessing from you to go to India. What came next, I didn't expect. He threw me out of his office.
0: Wow.
1: I said, I'm sorry, my Hebrew must not be very good because I don't think you could have said what you just said. He said, how's your English? Get the hell out of my office. And so that wasn't the blessing that I was looking for. So I just sat there, He, he said, I said, I'm not leaving if you wanna leave, you can leave. And so here's this old man that makes my beard look like, you know, a day growth with six other holy men sitting around him and they all get up and leave. And I think, oh my God, now what do I do? Over the course of time, we found a, I found a way to get him to come back. And I said to him, why would you do that? And he said, Danny, you say you've been here nine months. You say you've seen Israel north, south, east and west. I don't believe you've seen a thing mm. because if you saw it, you would never leave. If you go to India, You'll do the same thing. But if you want to learn how to see, come back tomorrow. I'll teach you how to see. And I said, oh, my God, what a beautiful offer. But I'm I'm literally leaving here, walking back to the place that I'm staying, seven miles away, Mm -hmm. getting into a a cab to take me to the airport, and I'm flying to Turkey tomorrow. He said, that's why I asked you to leave. Because I saw that you didn't have the fluidity to be able to change.
0: Mm.
1: as I walked back no one was expecting me in Turkey the next day no one was expecting me in India my schedule was completely free I could do whatever I wanted I just had a ticket that was non-refundable in those days that was a lot of money for me Mm. that I had bought so I took the I took the Sherut the taxi from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv and I stood in the airport and a man out of nowhere said you come here and this was a lot of years ago the security in israel for their flights was very very strong right, okay. and i looked like you know i had long hair i had you know a leather jacket on i i thought oh my god what he said come here i was in a long line of people and the people were saying why are you doing that why is he getting pulled up front really? i said please i would rather be where you are just you know i don't know what the heck's going on this woman took me in the back
0: yeah
1: And she said, what is it you want? And I said, it's sort of a long story. But if if you ask, I would really like to be able to cash in a non-refundable ticket because I was told by somebody to stay and I can't. Mm. And she looked at me and she said, I had a dream of this man last night. He showed me your face. He said, if I see you at the airport today, don't let him get on the plane. Mm. She said, I never want to see that man again. So I'm going to give you $400 out of my own pocket to buy your ticket from you because I can't refund your ticket. I'm just going to buy it from you out of my own money. Just please get out of here. And so I got back in the car, in the the taxi, and drove back to see him. And I stayed with him him for five years. And then I left the day before I got ordained. Oh because it wasn't really mine. There were too many things that I just didn't believe in, but I did learn how to sleep.
0: Yeah. What did you take away from that, being there for five years? What would you say was the biggest thing you took away?
1: Um, the ability to see life differently. The ability to, in a moment, have someone who you never knew. It was the ultimate clubhouse experience, yeah. but from a man with wisdom. Who could see into my soul? Who could see something that I needed to see? And that could halt everything that I have in place. Yeah. That could that could take a non-refundable ticket and find a way to give to give me the money. Yeah. We live so fixed in our belief systems. Yeah. We think this is the way it is. It can never be different. But the way that we know is not the way that is what we see is only what we see. It really is not what the world is showing us. Sometimes it is, but most times not. So I learned to see another world that was totally different than the one that I saw. And that world thrilled me.
0: Yeah, Amazing. So can I just take a step back to your childhood? Um, Way back, go way back <laughs> it's not that long ago go back to your childhood how you were raised and were you raised in a very religious family were you raised by certain cultural restraints
1: my dad was a was a um, was brought up in an orthodox jewish home
0: uh, yeah
1: my mom my mom was brought up in a reformed jewish home
0: Oh really?
1: So so I was a conglomeration of an Orthodox, and we were brought up in a in a conservative, the sort of the blend. Yeah. Um, They did not teach me religion, nor did they tell me that I should be religious. I, from the earliest moments in my life, was was I was probably the only one that was dying to go to, to religious school. I would I couldn't wait for the moment because I just felt that the first book that I ever I bought was a book by a woman who was a, a medium by the name of Jean Dixon. This was a lot of years ago. I came back and and I brought my book up. I, I maybe was five years old. I went to the bookstore with my money and I bought this book and I brought it back to my mom. She took me by, to the right back to the bookstore and said to the bookstore owner, what the heck are you doing letting him buy this book? What are you crazy? Hmm. I had a little friend that was my best friend. And I said, I can't wait to introduce you to my family. I brought him home. And I said, mom, here's my best friend. And she said, Denny, there's nobody standing next to you. I said, what are you talking about? He's right here. Mm. She said, Denny, please don't talk about this to anybody. They're going to think you're crazy and lock you up. Mm. I think you're crazy. But from the earliest moments of my life, I just felt connected to a whole nother realm. Mm. But when my mom, when my dad passed away, when I was 13 years old and then my mom passed away two years later on the same exact day, the same exact time. I said to myself, this this is not what I think it is. All my friends, as much as they tried to commiserate with me and as much as they loved me, as much as their family supported me, they had no idea what I was going through because I didn't have my hero, it was gone. My dad was my hero, my mom was this, my safety net. Yeah. And I lost them by the time I was 15, I lost them. But as in life, everything that you lose opens up a door for something new to come.
0: Totally. I mean, it would have been difficult because you were a very young, you know, you were a teenager, so it would have been really, really hard. I can't imagine that. Um, Just just sidestepping that, um, did you have many influences from the Orthodox um, Jewish community and how do you feel about the restraints that they put upon the people living there? Because I'm from a culture, my cause is to fight for um, awareness of cultural restraints within within the Indian community, within the Pakistani community, Asian community. I, I round it up to the Asian community, the Middle Eastern community, the African community, because there are such cultural restraints and girls are actually killed at birth because they're not wanted in my culture. How, was there anything that you saw within the Orthodox culture that you didn't agree with or that didn't sit with, with you very well? Because I, I have read and watched quite a lot about, about Jewish um, traditions. And it's not, it's not the religion, it's very much cultural, which I always reiterate because people confuse the two.
1: Just about everything in the Orthodox religion, expression of the religion was something I couldn't relate to. That's why I was headed to India because I love the freedom of just the idea of sitting in meditation and just mm-hmm. and just crying out to God and saying, I love you, God. And then just listening for God's response. Mm-hmm. The prayers that I said, I would say them three times a day. I was telling God how, how omnipresent, omnipotent, omniprob, omni, 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 mm-hmm. uh, here she was. And I was thinking, what am I praying? to? some sort of egomaniac that needs to hear from me three times a, a, a day? How all-powerful and all-mighty and all-glorious and all-forgiving and all-merciful and all... I I, I was sick of it. Mm. I I hated the way the Orthodox religion treated women. I remember... Is
0: that the the culture? Sorry to interrupt. Is that the religion or the culture? Because I think there's a difference.
1: I think it's the Orthodox religion. Okay. I think the Jewish culture is a... I believe the Jewish culture is a beautiful culture. I believe it's family based, it's family driven it's it has um, but I could be wrong I, I I've never I've never dissected it that way. I just see that the religion separated men men had a, men prayed on one side, women prayed on another men's yeah. duties were to do this the, the women's duties were to do that yeah. and when I went there I said that's why I ended up leaving one day before I was ordained I said I, I cannot abide by these cultural religious beliefs because I don't believe that we are the only ones out of all the people in the world that have the right thing, that are doing the right thing. I mean, even within Judaism, our seminary believed that if we had it right, anyone who wasn't doing exactly what we were doing by nature of duality had it wrong. And I said, how is it possible that a thousand people in the world who go to this this seminary could be the only people in the world to get the good thing that have it right? I mean, it's crazy. And what the Rebbe said to me is, Danny, we live in a world of duality down here. If something is right, anything that's not that is wrong. But when you get to heaven, when you get get past this world, you go to a world of unity and none of this matters. It's all going to be okay. Mm. But still we have to live here like that. And I said, that's just the biggest BS I ever heard. (laughs) If it's not the the belief system of a place that we're going to, why would we believe it in the place that we are? Our purpose is to change that belief system where we are, to open up those boundaries and those borders, to allow people to experience the greatness of who we are as individuals without all these religious connotations and, and, and rules and things holding us separate. The world dies to separate us. It does everything that it possibly can. The way of the mosaic is to unify. Is to find even just that one little corner where you and I can agree. Yeah, that's beautiful. And that 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 little corner keeps us keeps the mosaic intact. It keeps the energy of it going. But we look if I'm doing this and you're doing that, and we build silos that this is the way I believe and you don't believe that, so your silo is wrong, and we stand there yelling at each other, fighting each other. I was never in the world the way we were intended to live. Yeah,
0: no, I read something recently that humans, as human forms, we were born to love and objects were to be used, but somehow the two became confused. And my personal views on religion are that everyone has a different way of worshiping the higher realm or the higher force, whatever it is, whether it's called the universe, whether it's a God, but in my heart, if you want to, um, I, I feel it's like a cheat. It's like a cheat list. You know what you're supposed to do. So if you're good, a good person inside, and you, and you follow the rules in that respect. When I say rules, I mean like um, what's written in the Bible, what's written in different religious books, as in don't cheat, don't steal, be a good. Just how to be a good person. We should really need to be told, but for some reason we need to be reminded in a religious context. But I think I feel that there's only one God there's only one force and everyone I respect everyone has their own ways of respecting and and worshipping that person Um, but I do encourage everyone just to be good within because once you're good within you then give out that energy to everyone around you that energy then transcribes into everyone that you meet and they are then uplifted by that but I'm fascinated that you're very opinionated which I love (laughs) about the way because a lot of people become programmed and it seems like something within you was fighting that from day one.
1: Yeah you know there is righteousness in the world and there's dignity in the world and what I'm saying doesn't mean that anybody doesn't have the right everybody has the right to believe what they believe.
0: Yeah totally.
1: Right and so do I. Yeah and And what I realized just recently over the last six months or so, something so weird has happened to me. I felt like for no reason, absolutely no reason at all. I became like a cardboard box, mm. and into the cardboard box, which was the delivery system,
0: yeah,
1: was placed this exquisite little present of love, yeah. And that little present of love asks me to deliver that love to every place that I go.
0: I don't understand exactly how you feel, because only you know that, and I say that a lot. But I know how I feel when I discovered this self-love, and it excites me. It makes me literally want to look after everyone and just to let everyone know it's okay. Anyone, The reason I started my plight of um, trying to get my message across to people was to this awareness was because I know somewhere out there there's somebody crying out just to be heard or touched or loved and often in the Asian culture a parent won't even tell their child that they're proud of them or that they love them but a child needs that a child needs to hear that or to feel that and it's that feeling you know of a feeling of being wanted and all the things that it's nurturing the child it's nurturing even not just a child another person why wouldn't we be kind why wouldn't we give love? when we can, why wouldn't we give it? So that's that's something we both agree on,
1: I think. 100,000%, can I share with you a story?
0: Yes, definitely.
1: I've had the opportunities I've mentioned to be with the richest people in the world. Yeah. At their dining room tables, to meet their families, to play on the floor with their children. I've also had the brilliant opportunity to sit on street corners with some of the poorest of the poor. Of all those people, one of the people that's touched me the most is a 31-year-old woman who I've longed to have a conversation with, but it was never possible. The way she speaks is too difficult to understand. And so we can't understand her words. That 31-year-old woman is my daughter. Oh, wow. Imagine the pain of having a daughter that I wanted to share my whole life with and tell her all the things and not have her have the capacity to understand or the capacity to communicate back to me. And for the first little while, it was okay because we just loved each other and held each other and laughed with each other and did that. But along the way, as she got older, she wanted to express herself and say something. And when she tried, sometimes I would get it. There was a grace, sometimes I would be able to understand, but most times I wasn't. Mm. And so when she would speak and I didn't understand her, she would yell. To her credit, sometimes when she yelled, she pronounced the words differently and all of a sudden I could hear something that I didn't hear before. But that was very few times. Now all that was happening was someone was yelling something that I couldn't understand when they were talking. When she yelled and I couldn't understand, she would tantrum because she just got so frustrated that I couldn't understand it. And when she tantrumed and I didn't understand it, then what happened is she would attack. She would come running at me frustrated to try and bite me or rip my shirt or bite herself or do something. And this went on for such a long time. And I've, I'm a, like, I am like pride myself on my sensitivity that I, I, I have this ability to hear and listen and I couldn't figure it out. Mm. And finally, one day when she was running towards me with rage in her eyes and rage in her step, she allowed me to catch her eyes, which she normally didn't let me do. And I said to her, "Alisa, you know how much I love you. I love you more than I've ever loved anybody in my life. I would give every cent I have, every possession I have, everything that I am to understand your six words, but I can't. Will you please try to say what you're saying? without using words. Mm. Her rampage ended right there. She stopped, the rage on her face turned into a smile. And she looked at me in perfect English said, I am daddy. I said, I'm sorry, what the heck are you talking about? You are daddy, how are you doing that? She took her finger and pointed to the side of her head. I thought I understood, but I, I didn't want to take it for granted. I said, you little son of a gun, have you been putting thoughts in my head? What you, is that what you've been doing? And she started to laugh hysterically. And she said, yes, daddy, yes. Imagine all those years of trying to communicate, now finally getting through. The joy in her was contagious. And, 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 and we just laughed for 20 minutes together. We couldn't stop. From that moment forward, she's never yelled. She's never tantrumed and she's never attacked again. She just puts a thought in my head when I can't understand her. And I can't say that every time I get it, but a lot more times now than before. Mm -hmm. But I got greedy. I said, I wonder if what my daughter does is what every person in the world does. I looked at governments that I worked with. I looked at religions that I worked with. I looked at families. I looked at corporations. I looked at businesses. All people that I had access to and that I worked with. And I saw they did exactly the same motions. They spoke and when they weren't listened to, they yelled. When they weren't listened to again, they created chaos and created a scene. When the scene didn't work, they shot people in a square or blew up a building or did whatever they did because they just were that desperate to be heard. I find it absolutely ironic that a 31 year old woman who's never been able to have a conversation in her life has been able to give me the key to listening and actually halting aggression and turmoil. So it's my goal now to go around the world to places of conflict and to sit with people who hate say you don't need to scream you don't need to tantrum you don't need to attack you don't need to destroy Mm. tell me what it is you want to say i want to hear you doesn't mean i'll agree with you Mm. but i want to listen to you because it's important for you to be heard
0: yeah definitely that's very touching actually you really got me there um often as humans we don't talk to each other we talk at each other and um, often the words that are not said are the ones that are the most important and they're there but we don't want to know them sometimes and i i say this from experience with my son um he was going through a very traumatic time because at one point we became homeless and then when we did find a place it, you know it was the catching up the emotions were catching up and he gave me so many clues that I just did not see them or want to see them or actually listen to him. And one of the things I do say to parents is it's imperative. Forget about everything else, about money, what you're trying to do. The, oh, well, I'm busy working because of this. Forget it. The most important treasures you have are your children. And if you don't make time to listen to them, then, you know, who can they turn to? Who else do they have? You have an obligation as a parent to stop and actually just take a pause and hear what they're trying to tell you. So yeah. I have
1: to. Thank I would love you. to. Daniel. I would love to expand that out yeah. because one of the things that I realized because I love my daughter more than anything in the world.
0: I, I'm happy to hear that.
1: But one of the things I realized is if she were born next door, I would not have those same feelings. Mm. So how is it possible that somebody that I adore, Mm. someone that means the whole world to me, if she were born 30 feet away from where she was born in another household to other parents, that I would care not at all about her. Mm. And so my dream is to say, at some point throughout the course of life, we have all been brothers, sisters, parents, children, sons, daughters, lovers, haters, enemies, friends.
0: Yes, yes, definitely. And
1: why not share that same sense of yeah. taking care of our children when they're not our children also?
0: No, you, I, it's so strange. I I said this the other day to um, somebody else that I spoke to. I feel I'm attracting the energy and I'm speaking to people that really understand me because... Literally, before this, I had a phone call from one of my son's best friends, who I call also my son, and he said something to me, and he said, well, you are mother to all, because I love every child, every person I love, and and I said to him, because I want them not to feel the way they feel, and he used those words, you are mother to everyone, so I
1: love that.
0: It's funny that you just said what you said as well, there's definitely signs and i don't ignore them i always acknowledge them yeah
1: yeah.
0: (laughs) um i wanted to talk to you about the um, when you were a monk and where i want to know where you went i know you went travel to india but where in particular and i want to ask you how it was you know i'm curious to know was it really as they portray where you're sitting and you're Without electrical devices and you're switching off to the world because I do meditate myself. I'm very spiritual and I I like to enable myself to calm everything. And that's the only way I, I liked, you know, I find it quite easy to do now. Is there how was it for you?
1: Um, it was very, very different than I ever imagined. I never would thought that I was gonna be a monk. I was a guy, guy, and I'm still a guy, guy. I love, you know, I love the embrace of people. I love the inter- the intercourse, not sexual only, but just the whole idea, the passion of living with people and the moments of what that's like. And when I, was, when I went to India, I wasn't ready yet to be a monk. When I went to Israel, I wasn't ready yet to be a monk. It was only when I came back and I looked at the world and I thought, you know something, there isn't that much here that I look forward to while everybody else is chasing finance and and name. I walked away from the opportunity to run a billion dollar, a multi-billion dollar company. That wasn't what, what excited me. And so I thought, what in the world would excite me? How would I find that purpose that I lost when my mom and dad passed away? That was the driving question. What was the purpose for life? I went into business, I went into all the things. I went into spirituality, I went into religion. I just said, I just want to go into self now. Mm. And so I found a monastery in the foothills of the Sierra Nevada mountains in California. Oh, okay. And I joined a band of brothers and we were happy in ourselves and happy together. Mm. And we would pray together We would eat together, we would serve together. We observe silence together. And I loved that monastery. For the first time in my life, I didn't have to tell God how great he was or she was. I could just say, I love you, Lord, and I miss you. Will you please come to me and let me feel your presence. And I would sit sometimes 18 hours a day in my chair. And occasionally I would realize I had fallen asleep in my chair and I would chastise myself. And I would say, Danny, if you're sleepy, you, you don't sleep, you meditate where you meditate, you sleep where you sleep, go to your bed if you're tired. And as I was getting up to leave, I felt my beloved say, Danny, why do you chastise yourself? I love that you fall asleep here in my arms. And I love that I'm the first thing you see when you wake up, sleep here, let me hold you. It's okay. There's no difference really between when you're praying and when you're sleeping. Just let me love you in all those places. And if I flash forward now to the experience that I had a few months ago, love itself said to me, you don't have to do anything for me to love you. I don't care if you've been good or bad. I don't care who you've helped. I don't care what you've done or what you haven't done. I don't care if you hurt people or help people. All I know how to do is love. And I love you. And I want you to take this love to everybody, saints, sinners, people who think they're holy, people who think they're profound. Mm -hmm. And I want you to just set the gift of love in front of them. Because I am a non-denominational lover. Love itself knows no boundaries, knows no limits, knows no time frames. So I set that gift here for anyone who's listening. Yeah. I'll go soon and I'll take my little cardboard delivery box with me. But the present of love is gonna remain here with all of you.
0: Have you ever felt unloved?
1: Yes, often. When my mom and dad passed away, I thought, how is that possible? Dad, why'd you leave me? Mm. Mom, they were young. My dad was 60 years old. He was, you know, in those days, 50 years ago, 60 years old was a long, was not as young as it is now. I'm 65. Mm. So I could have easily been been gone. My mom was 50 years old. She was 12 years younger than my dad. My wife passed away at 40 years old. So I, not only did I not feel unloved, Mm. I sort of developed a story that I had to keep people a little distance from me because the people that I loved the most got hurt when they were around me.
0: Well, that's, good. that's I've heard that before.
1: Yeah, and so it wasn't that I couldn't love you. I loved you, but I didn't want you to come so close to me that you got hurt by yeah. loving me because people that I love, bad things happened to. Them. My parents passed away. My wife passed away. I had a daughter that was developmentally delayed. Mm-hmm. I had situations, people, things happened to people all made up beautiful stories that are just not at all true. But I said it to myself so many times over and over and over again that I started to believe it was factual, but there's not one factual piece of evidence in that story.
0: Did you find any answers when you joined the monks? Did you find the answers that you were searching for when you spent time in Israel?
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, um, I found that everything that I did was not what I thought it was. Mm-hmm. I found that it was being a monk as much as I adored it and loved it was not my destination. I found that it wasn't my purpose. All these things that I was searching for that I thought were my purpose in life were really a part of my purpose. They were, they were mosaic pieces that brought me to this conclusion of my totality of my mosaic. I, I would have stayed in the monastery forever. But I fell in love and I got married.
0: Oh, wow. That's amazing.
1: And so, what I realized is that the place that I was looking for, that purpose that I was seeking, was simply a change of perspective. Mm. The ability to look at the world I was seeing and suddenly see it completely differently than I'd ever seen it before that moment of freedom Hmm. to be able to get out of the hypnosis of looking at it the only way, seeing it always this way. This is the way life is. This is the way it is. This is the way I see. I see it. That means this is the way it is. This is the way it is, but it isn't. And when I write in my mosaic about my dad dying, I was hundreds of miles away at summer camp. And the moment he died, I woke up. And he appeared at my bedside, hundreds of miles away. Mm. And he said to me, Danny, my time here is over now. I can't do for you what you need anymore. I've I've given you the most important things, Mm. but now others will come to help you. Don't worry what they look like or what they do. None of that's important. They will guide you. They will give you what it is you need. See them as that in every single person that you meet. And without spoiling the book, when I, towards the end of the book, when it became time for me to become the the mosaic keeper. And as I was walking around the room, as Mo was walking around the room, because I don't say I'm Mo in the book, it's Mo, the main character is walking around the room. He sees the next person he's going to come to, to talk to is his dad. And as he looks at his dad, his dad's face changes into every single character that he met. Mm, And he says, remember, I told you life is not what it seems. I was with you every step of the way, not in this form, but in the form of others. Mm -hmm. That change of perspective brings such a peace that I could never know without that. You said you were going to be controversial with me. You haven't been controversial yet. What is, what's going on? These
0: questions to other people would be controversial, but because you're very much on the same path as I am, I feel in the same mindset, they're not controversial, but you are, you have been very expressive about your opinions, which I respect. I've got a question for you. It might sound strange, but I've not asked anybody else this, but I think you might understand where I'm coming from by asking you this. If I said to you, are you God, what would you reply?
1: Yes and no. I would say I am made of the same components that God is, but I am a drop of water in the ocean of God. So yes, I mean, the drop is the ocean and the ocean is the drop, but the totality of the ocean is not what I am. That's why I say over and over again that I'm a cardboard box Mm. delivering the gift. I'm not the gift. Mm. Yet I'm the delivery man for the gift. I'm a mailman. I literally take that presence from place to place. How about you? Are you God?
0: Yes. God is in me. God is in this table. God is in the chair. God is in this screen. He created us all. So we are extensions of God nothing would be here without him so. where are you
1: located you're in the U- you're in the uk right I'm,
0: I'm located in london
1: yeah so how is it possible that this beautiful woman sitting in the uk in london and this old fat guy sitting in san diego california oh, no. can meet in a room can meet in a room that doesn't exist can sit here virtually face to face yeah and feel so connected to each other yes, without ever having an experience of each other before a day or so ago. Mm. If that isn't proof for the fact that the things that we think are not what we think they are, what else could you say?
0: I think the issue is that a lot of people, the majority of people like the comfort of what is created for them. So they don't want to they are happy to conform to what they think is a reality and if they think outside and they look at what's really there it's uncomfortable for them and some things are not explainable but you know we don't need to know everything we need to feel everything so if they can understand that then they would find the peace of mind that I have and I believe you have and that love that is overwhelming, and it's a sense of freedom that I never had, and I love it. But you can't have these conversations with everybody because not everybody yeah. wants to hear it.
1: <laughs> so so I would invite you to re-examine that last statement. And I'm very, when people come to me often, they think that I'm gonna answer their questions. Yeah. What I do instead is question their answers. Because what I find is that. People may live as if they're happy. Yeah. But there is an underlying restlessness. There is an underlying lack of fulfillment. I can't tell you how many people I speak to that have more money than God. But don't know one moment of fulfillment.
0: I could imagine. And
1: I can't. And I can't tell you how many people I know who have all the experience that you could have of God that you would ever dream that you would want, but don't have the fulfillment of being able to buy a cup of coffee for themselves.
0: Mm.
1: And so the place that I work in, the place that I live in is the mosaic of both of those things together. Why should it be that we have all the money in the world but don't have happiness? Why should it be that we have what we think is the the answer to life, but can't afford to live our life? It makes no sense at all. It's all just belief systems that need to be seen through the lens of a different perspective. My heaven was found. My purpose was found. In that moment, when I saw the world that I looked at differently than I ever saw it before. And in that moment, Answers appeared to questions I didn't even know that I had. Mm. In that moment, I get to spend my Saturday morning sitting and speaking to this beautiful woman who is my sister on every single level, Mm, but that I never knew before a moment ago. How's that possible? It doesn't make any logical sense. I find in the conversations, hundreds of thousands of conversations that I've had, that when I hold the space for people to go to this place that we're speaking in right now, very rarely does a person turn away from it. They're longing for the opportunity mm. to share beneath the surface. Mm. But they're scared to be judged. When they're not judged, when they're just loved, They feel so free. And that's when miracles happen, real life miracles. Pains disappear, Mm. relationships mend, Mm. business opportunities become abundant just because someone's held the space for them to be okay being themselves.
0: Yeah. I feel you've just given away so many cheat codes to success and life. I love it.
1: they, they, they shouldn't be hidden they should be free for everybody
0: they should be for those they should be but people don't necessarily want to know them or believe them and I think that belief is a huge thing it's, it's a necessity
1: so I would ask you because if you wanted to be confrontational with me I'll be a little confrontational <laughs> with you with all, with all the love of my heart sure Who, who told you that who told you people don't want to believe that who told you that people don't want them it's
0: my perception of what i see so no one's told me it's it's how i see and how i i i try my best to understand everybody but i also know that i don't have to understand everybody because that's okay too
1: right so what would happen if for even a moment you entertain the possibility just the smallest possible smidgen of an a moment
0: mm.
1: that your perception is not completely hundred percent right. I'm oh, no. not saying mine is
0: no okay Nobody's hundred percent right nobody's hundred percent so so
1: so sit now in that place where that possibility exists mm. because nobody's hundred percent right that the way you see it may not be the way that it actually is and start to open up the space of that possibility. Walk into it, stretch it out, stretch within it, sit in it, feel the presence of that space and see what happens. Mm -hmm. We might just find, I can tell you from personal experience, I found so many preconceived stories that I told myself just literally fell apart in that moment. And it didn't happen just one time. It's happened thousands of times, and it's scary because I've built houses and communities and villages and towns and cities on those stories that I've told myself. And with one thread, I disintegrate the story, and that whole city falls down. Hmm. But that's okay because something comes in the freshness of a new moment, allowing this fresh new energy to come in. What's that energy look like?
0: Is that because we create our own realities?
1: Uh, We create what we believe to be our own reality. It isn't our own reality. Mm. There's another reality that is so beautiful that is ours that if we could only see it, we would shudder with love and joy. I remember being told a story of a man who dies and goes to heaven. And the saint that's leading him around heaven is showing him around just to make him comfortable. And he shows them this place that's walled off. And the man says, Why would in heaven there be a walled-off place like that? He says, Shh, they think they're the only ones here. So <laughs> there's this beautiful space where everybody exists. But our dreams become what we make them. If we believe that's the reality, we'll live off, we'll live in a walled-off place in heaven where nobody else is there, but it just is not the reality. It's the same thing here on earth. What we think, and it's such a core principle of the mosaic. What we believe is, is only what we believe is. Yeah. It isn't what it is. We have no idea how vast and how beautiful and how possible the impossible is. And when we change and open and allow new perspectives to come in, Mm. suddenly we see their possibilities, their answers to things that we never saw before. Things that are impossible become possible. And I've watched it happen thousands and thousands of times in simple little discussions that I've had with people. Yeah. Where they feel safe enough to bring down their silos. And
0: they
1: say, whoa, look what's here. Wow. Yeah.
0: Totally. You see, I I believe that I have more life experiences because I broke out of a cultural loop. So I went out of that cultural loop and I went into a different cultural loop. And then I left that cultural loop and came into a different cultural loop. So I've literally been collecting life experiences through different um, different cultures, different communities, different traditions, different lifestyles as well. And I like that for me. I like that because I believe I'm a better person having been a forced almost sometimes to face what it's like when you have nothing and you can't even keep yourself warm. What it's like when you... A living a totally different life when, when you're in a, a large house and you can buy whatever car and send your children to private education. When you have opened the fridge and there is only enough food there for one of you who's going to have it. I like that. I like that I've, I'm from an Indian heritage, but I have lived in a British society that I was with my partner who was Nigerian. And so I had all the African influences, but I like that because it made me who I am. And it's what you take away from situations, what you choose to understand and absorb from a situation, I think, that really makes you the person you are. But being open, open to wanting to learn to understand that you're not always right. And it doesn't matter. And there's no gracious behavior in saying bad things about anyone because it doesn't actually get you anywhere. You know, rather that give that person more love because they need it, because they're struggling in their own rights wherever they're coming from. And I'm very much about that, but I would love, as my, when my daughter was born, I realized I'd broken a generational habit and a generational occurrence by having that daughter, a girl that has never wanted. She was so wanted by me. And now when she, if she has a daughter, she will love that child. So that whole curse of not wanting a girl, that girl should be killed at birth, has now disappeared. But I do believe that we're living a game of life, and that we choose to play it how we think is best. And some people fight the game, some people go around the Monopoly board, back, return to go, and back, return to go. Some of us, have broken out of that and stepped to the left or the right, and we've chosen a slightly different path. And I call that freedom. <laughs>
1: yeah. And I I, I love that.
0: It won't make sense to everybody, and that's okay. But somehow, Yeah, I,
1: I I would say it in slightly a different way, but I think it's the same exact thing. And so on the off chance that Another way of saying it might make sense to the few people that that what you said doesn't make sense because I think what you said makes total sense. Mm-hmm. But on the off chance that somebody doesn't feel it, the beauty of a mosaic is it's made up of all different types of pieces, broken, whole, big, small, all different colors off different textures. And our life becomes those pieces and what happens is when we change our opinions we leave we abandon those pieces and we leave them behind thinking they no longer serve us. but the totality of the mosaic that i live in right now mm-hmm. is one that brings all those pieces back yeah. into the creation of what we are because every single one of them has a story in my book the mosaic After Mo meets the wise one who gives him an experience of the complete oneness of all things, he wakes up on a street corner by a street artist who's surrounded by broken pieces and is a mosaic maker making mosaics on the street. And the man looks at Mo and says, when you look at these broken pieces, what do you see? And Mo doesn't know if he can trust them or not. And he says, I see broken pieces just like you. He says, really, I thought from where you came from, you might see something different. He said, listen to those pieces, broken pieces tell amazing stories. And our job is to put those stories together into one beautiful story, the story of humanity, the story where we dream of who we wanna be and our dream gets taken from us. Something bad happens, we get shattered. But then we're put back together. And in our brokenness, we become even more powerful and even more beautiful Mm. than we ever were when we were just whole. This is a moment for us to hold each other in that space. Thank you so much for holding me in this space with you, for loving me and inviting me into your heart, for allowing me to feel your heart, for allowing me to sit with you and just enjoy you you are an enjoyable person to be with and I thank you for the gift of your presence to me
0: thank you so much Daniel Daniel I am going to be buying the book because I really want to read it for anybody listening can you tell them where they can get the book I will put the links down when I release this podcast but for anyone listening can you let them know where they can get the Mosaic?
1: Absolutely, it's available, the easiest way is on Amazon. It's, it's all over the world, so people can get it on Amazon. And I also have it in an audible, in an audio version. So people have said they enjoy hearing my voice. So I read it in an audio version. So if that, and that takes three hours to listen to. Um, uh, if people buy it, which I hope they will, I hope they'll listen not only to the words And the stories the words tell that story is beautiful Mm -hmm. but i hope they'll also allow the space between the words to tell its story Mm -hmm. because silence tells an amazing story so thank you again for being here with you
0: no thank you thank you so much and i will as i said put the links down um below when i (laughs) when i publish this so people can find your book and um, what it's called and a little bio about you most definitely but i have enjoyed this chat so much i can't even explain to you and i'm so happy that i because for those who don't know i was actually in a totally different part of the room the clubhouse room i believe that daniel was even not even he was in the audience he wasn't actually talking yet something really inside me asked me to look down and connect with you which is what I did and I hope to have more chats with you I really do Daniel you're an amazing person and I'm humbled and thankful and I feel your love as I understand that you hopefully will feel my love and I will accept the cardboard box that you give me for myself and my children and I will take that love and hold on to it tightly Thank you so much.
1: It's my honor to be with you. Thank you. It's I that thanks you.